This is Jello Chow Chow, the all Jello show. If you even think of hanging up or leaving the room for a scotch, we will murder you. Now listen, Great Creeperson and the Phantom Eric and Chris want to take you on a ride through dark alleys and bright rooms, long stairways, and backstage at the art gallery. If you want to live, you'll don your black gloves and join them for the ride. What does that chow, mean to play a sound? Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> I have because they get stepped on a lot. So chow chow everyone and welcome to episode 46 of Jallo Chow Chow, the all Jallo show where we talk about Jallo Lee. And Sadly, it's the last episode. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Oh, I fucking hate my dogs right now. So, um, yeah. So, um, a lot of interesting things have been happening. The Jersey Devil's alive and well. And that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Is that like some sort of wrestling thing? No, there's like a winged creature in New Jersey flying really? around. And I... people have been taking photos of it. I can't believe it I'm the only one who's over by you, Chris. Yeah, I know. I, I'm not paying attention. <clears throat> Anyone else doing anything fun besides being a mythical creature? I'm just jollying it up. Or let's all practice our our Italian. Ready? Poliziotesco. Come on, everybody, say it with me. Poliziotesco. Poliziotesco. I can't believe I'm paying for this shit. Please <laughs> take me to Tesco. <laughs> um. I was uh, doing an Italian voice earlier because my cheeky fucking dog kept coming into the kitchen. When I was uh, making a pizza pie, yeah. <laughs> Did you say, oh, what's the matter with you? Yeah, and I kept going, you silly little doggy, get out of my kitchen. You're making oh, a pizza pie. You come on out in here. And then I go, man. We really need to be off the <laughs> so air I was, immediately. I was, uh, it's just terrible. I was Jitalian. Jitalian. Yeah, I'm fucking here. Do yeah. you guys remember that song, Ah, Shut Up, Your Face, or am I too old? Ah, Shut Up, Your Face? Yeah, it was called Ah, Shut Up, Your Face. It was uh, like no. one of those, it was just like one of those novelty one-hit wonders that you would play on the jukebox in the in the diner, or that I would play in the jukebox in the diner. You guys were still, um... Is this back when a cheeseburger was a nickel? No, <laughs> but it was uh, when. What? How much was a cheeseburger? Like fifty-nine cents. I remember that. I remember gasoline under a dollar. Yep. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm old enough for that even. Yeah. I think when I first started driving, it was like 98 cents. I said, when this gets to a dollar fifty, I ain't driving anywhere. <laughs> that's what everybody said when I was when I was younger. That's what everybody said about cigarettes. When cigarettes get to two dollars a pack, I'm quitting. You know. And now what are they? Seven or eight? Yeah, don't come to Minnesota. Depends on where you live. Joel, like I, his I get name two was packs for ten bucks. Two for ten, okay. Joe Dolce is the guy's name. He put out an out a song called "Shut Up in Your Face." I and... hear uh, Murder's going to do a cover of that song. Really? Oh, yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah. That'd be awesome. It was from 1981. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. 1981's a long time ago. Yeah. Actually. It's like 35 years ago. Mm-hmm. Or something. But not as old as the movie we're doing here tonight. Not as old. What have they done? Yeah, we'll be talking about what have they done to your daughters in a little bit. But I'm going to throw it to Chris. I believe he has another tutorial to go through here tonight. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, hopefully I'll be able to share my screen. Freaking Google nonsense. Yes. Poliziotesco. Okay, anyway. So, uh, yeah, there's been a lot of um, interest in the Plex Media server on our group, so I figured I'd do a real quick um, overview of the system and uh, maybe just show a little, a couple of, if you're watching the video version of this, um, I'll do a couple of screen um, shares so you can see um, what's going on. Um, But... um, so just a quick history with, uh, with me and how I ended up with Plex. Um, I originally bought an Apple TV um, a, long time, well, a long time ago, a couple years ago, and figured out that if you um, import your video files into iTunes, you can actually just stream them directly to your TVs wherever there's an Apple TV box, which is cool, but iTunes really sucks and you're limited to the mp4 format so every video that you get you have to use handbrake or something else to convert it over and there's all of this changes of compression and everything else um, so then I ended up buying a Roku for um, my downstairs TV and checked out the Plex media server which is um, an open source thing it's totally free and it, it's really amazing because it's just it just works. It doesn't really require you to be smart at all to get it to work. Um, and um, it's, it's a homegrown thing, and I think to a certain extent it's still free. I'm not sure where the, the line is drawn between the free part and the paid-for part. So I know for sure that the server is free, and I know... F- I'm pretty confident that the app that runs on the Roku um, and the app that runs on Chromecast and Kindle, let's see, um, let's see here. Basically what you're saying is that you don't know. Chromecast, Roku, Fire TV, Xbox, and PlayStation, uh, they're all free there. And I believe certain smart TVs have their own sort of system for installing apps. I don't know if Samsung has one and Vizio has one, um, and they have Plex running there. 
Now, if you wanted to get the Plex app for your device, whether it be an, uh, an Android device or an iOS device, I believe they charge you for that. But the alternative to that is to just use your browser um, because the browser client is also free. So um, let me just quickly share my screen and I'll show you guys what I have. Can you see my screen? There's Creep looking at himself. Yes. No, I'm so, looking at Eric's free thing. It sounds awful. There's an ass in my face. <laughs> so here, can you guys see the Plex homepage? I can. Yes. All right, so it's Plex.tv. When you get there, you go to Downloads, and when you get to Downloads, you'll see the Plex Media Server right here. They have two options. They have one if you're going to run your server off a regular computer, which is, uh, you know, a computer with a screen and a keyboard and a mouse attached. If you have a network-attached storage device, you could use NAS. Um, now, up until just a few minutes ago, I didn't think that they supported... Uh, the network attached storage device that I use so I've been using it through an old power book as the server but I'm gonna go in here um, eventually after this is over and see I have a, a, a Western Digital my cloud it's like a four terabyte um, network attached storage it looks like I can run the server right on there which would be awesome so I could kind of get rid of this um, I have this old power uh, Mac MacBook Pro from like 2007 that's running as the Plex media server not doing much of anything else because it's pretty slow but anyway you download the server software you follow the instructions it's pretty dummy proof and um, eventually what you do is you point it uh, you point the software to uh, wherever your files are and the files can be um, they can be AVI, MP4, MPEG type videos. They could be audio files. They can be images. You can do slide type slideshows, image slideshows and stuff. Um, if they are movies or if they're TV shows, um, <clears throat> it works differently de depending on how you name the file. So, for example, if it's a TV show, you would put um, you would put the folder name in your um, in, on your computer as the name of the show and then you would name it the name of the show season 01 episode 01 or s01e01 dot avi or dot mpeg or whatever and plex knows how to go and get all the information off the internet to set that all up so um i'll show you real quickly what my client looks like from the browser um it's loading now you should be able to see some kids stuff Harry Potter, Muppets. I'm not, I'm no, not it's still the same page. Oh, okay. No. It says I'm screencasting. Well, let's try stop sharing for a second. It could be that um, this is... Are you seeing it, Eric? About to fucking crash. Um, I was, and then the thing one and thing two came back up. Oh. Yeah, let's see. My Google Hangouts has, looks like it's crashed here. Um, hang on just a second, guys. I'll be right back. You got it. Oh, wait, what's that? It's doing something different you some, now. You have some technical difficulty music? Oh, wait, no, it's not. 
Do I have some technical difficulty? Maybe? I can still hear you guys talking, but I have no. I can't see anything. Uh-huh. Okay. <clears throat> well, I'm curious to find out if this flex thing he's talking about means that I could just watch all the movies that are on my computer on my television without having to hook my computer up to my television. Well, Creep, you can. Hello. What? That's crazy. Yeah, I actually use Plex for my Roku, and a lot of what Chris is saying is pretty similar to that. I just have all the the video files on my laptop, and I have a Plex server. It's kind of like a, any other server you'd have on your computer, but it's just special for Plex. And as long as you have that, which is really easy to get off their website, you can match it up with your app on your TV. Same way you would like match up. Like so I just need to leave my computer on and walk into another room and watch TV. Yep, exactly. Yeah. So let me. Um, are you guys hearing me? I'm back. So can hear you. Yeah. I just have one more question. Can yeah. I watch the WWE Network off of my computer on my Plex without having to hook my TV app up to it? No, Plex really is is only for media that you want to stream from your hard, your local hard drive. Yeah. Hang on a second, Eric. Did you just say that the WWE Network has an app that will play on your smart television? I don't know anything about smart televisions, but I know WWE Network is is an app that you can get. I have it on my Roku. I know people have it on their video game devices. Holy crap balls. Is it on Fire Stick? Yes. Get the F out of my pants. I oh my w- gosh. I'm sorry. Hell in the Cell is going to be a whole different experience this year. I thought you invited me into your pants. I, I oh. oh my gosh. Well, Chris guys, is showing pictures. You guys see this now? Okay, cool. Pictures. So, um... This is what the browser client looks like, and this is where you actually manipulate uh, the server. So, for example, um, over here, um, I can add something to my library. I select movies or TV shows or music or home videos, um, and you basically tell it where to go. And fuck yourself. It goes in and. Um, as long as, I mean, basically what it tries to do, and it does a really good job of this, is it looks at the file names, um, and it tries to match them against IMDB or anywhere else, um, to get the poster, to get the director, uh, to get, um, any of the other, uh, important information about the film. So, for example, this one is the one we're doing tonight. So all this stuff... Um, <clears throat> that you're seeing on the screen here is was grabbed from the internet. I didn't have to input any of this stuff. Um, for TV shows, it works a little differently, but um, so for example, um, if you go into something like Under the Dome, it knows... I, I want to talk more about you watching The Vampire Diaries. Yeah, well, that's, you know, I have to share this with my wife, so. Um, yeah. <laughs> she likes, uh, I think she likes the rest of these, too, but she does like the Vampire Diaries. So once you've finished watching all the seasons, you you 
downloaded him for her to watch? Right, exactly. Okay. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's a whole bunch of stuff on here, and we can do... The cool thing about Plex is you sign up for an account, which is also free. Um, you can pay the extra money for a Plex Pass account, which gives you other features, and I'm not exactly sure what they are. But if you get a basic account, um, you can do something like... Um, for example, I, I, my parents both have Roku sticks, um, and I've signed them both up for Plex accounts, and so I've rigged it so that when they're at their house, they can log in and see my Plex library, and then I put all the kids' like videos and stuff on there so that they can see the, you know, videos of the kids whenever they, whenever they want to, instead of having to wait until they come over to the house. So, it's so you're um, saying you don't have any adult films on your Plex. There's no porn on my Plex at the moment. That's correct. But it would be very friendly to porn because it's just all hard drive files. Yeah, no, I don't know. Um, I don't know if. Uh, hey, I'm back. All right. I don't know if uh, the 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 ability to go out and pull metadata for. Um, the uh, porn works as well as it does with the other types of films, but it's worth a try. I haven't haven't tried it yet. Um, there was a couple of questions, um, I think, by Lee on the group about um, video quality, and that's a really important one. Um, you can tweak um, the settings in here. I mean, basically, let's say that you found a way to rip uh, Blu-ray um, and and kept it in its um, original uh, resolution. As long as you have uh, the appropriate bandwidth within your Wi-Fi network, um, you can stream that at the same quality as it would be for a Blu-ray, um, and it would look fine. The problem is when we talk about the bandwidth issue, uh, and that's basically, you know, you know, are you hooked up to your, is your, is your is your Roku hooked up to your network using a, a cable or is it Wi-Fi? And is the Wi-Fi fast enough and all these other things? What ends up happening is some of these really high-definition files that I have on um, my server, sometimes they stutter a little bit and they, um, they, they try to buffer as much as they can to start streaming at the resolution that's native to them. Um, but if you, if you have a lot of problems with it, you can go in and tweak the settings um, and you can you can have it um, transcode um, the video files down to a 720p or you can basically change the amount of bits per second that you're getting for that particular resolution to make it um, come faster. So um, Plex really has a lot of options and um, I find it uh, I find it to be very useful and helpful because I can basically get to um, my media wherever I am as long as I'm not in a network that has some sort of port blocking like when I'm at the office we have Wi-Fi at my office and they have certain ports that are blocked and Plex is one of those ports so um, I would have to use um, some other public Wi-Fi or have to use my data to get into Plex when I'm outside of a Wi-Fi network that's not a home one but for the most part um, I find it to be, um, there's a dog. <laughs> Keep talking. We're listening. Hi. We're really excited. Hi, doggy. 
Um, I, I think it's great. I mean, I, I, I have tons of DVDs and I've ripped them and I put them on my server and I have a backup copy of them somewhere else in case uh, the drive fails and you know that's it I don't really mess around too much with um, DVDs anymore um, I'm gonna try it I have sentimental um, attachment to certain DVDs and other ones I'm just ready to to toss them you know I had them out at the yard sale tried to sell a few of them and you know, it's, it's it, it is what it is um, I think that uh, the only problem with Plex and it's the same problem that I think most people have with Netflix and every other type of service that gives you so many damn choices is that you spend way too much time figuring out what you're gonna watch instead of watching it at least that's what happens with me like I'll get in bed and I'll head over to Plex or to Netflix and start um, flicking around to see what do I want to watch and I end up falling asleep just looking through the choices before I even watch anything so um, you know, when, when you decide, hey, you know what, I'm going to get out this movie and I'm going to put it in my DVD player and watch it, um, it's kind of more of a direct experience. It's kind of the same problem that people went through or are maybe still going through with music, where instead of, you know, a piece of vinyl that, you know, you really only get about 40 or so minutes out of from side A to side B, but you're going to sit there and listen, you have, I don't know, 100 gigs worth of MP3 files to choose from. And you just say, play everything at random, you know. So we kind of sacrifice um, a little bit for the convenience of having everything this way. But um, I really like it for Giallo because I've got everything in one place. And there are some DVDs that I have for Jolly, And then there are other places where I'm able to uh, find copies of them on various sites uh, that I could never find uh, on DVD. Maybe they're not released. Maybe they're unreleased. Um, or out of print, so it's uh, it's great uh, having it uh, in one place. So I really enjoy the software. I enjoy the um, the technology, and I recommend everybody give it a try because it's real easy. And nice. I'm gonna try it. I'm gonna try it hard. Yes. There was another question from Lee, and this is something I've struggled with as well. And it's very important for Giallo films. Are subtitles supported? Oh yeah. Okay. So subtitles are a little bit more tricky than um, they than everything else is when it comes to setting things up. But um, typically, when you get a film that has subtitles, the subtitles are I think are an SRT file, and it's a text file that I think has time codes matched up with the subtitles. So the way that Plex works is you make sure that um, you have that SRT file in the same folder location as the video file and you also make sure that both files are named the same other than the extension, the file extension obviously. And then you have to go into Plex and tell it that there are subtitles um, and point to the SRT file. Most of the time it will find it. Let me see if I can screen share one more time and show you what that looks like. I've had a few problems getting mine to sync up, and I don't know if I'm missing a setting within the Plex server or uh, what what exactly is happening. The syncing up is definitely an issue. Do you, can you guys see my uh, yeah. Plex screen again? Okay. Um, the syncing up is most definitely an issue. It has a lot to do with um, 
whether or not you got the SRT file and maybe that SRT file was linked to a certain version of the film. You know, if, if, for example, if you ripped the file from a DVD and you ripped the subtitles from the same DVD or Blu-ray, it should match up. Um, but it's, if you downloaded the file from the internet somewhere and then you went out and found uh, an SRT file somewhere else, it might not sync up. The other reason why it might not sync up is because Plex might be transcoding the, um, the film itself to play uh, at a lower resolution so that it will stream without interruption through your network. And in those cases, it may be time shifting the, the actual uh, video file a tad bit. And in those cases, it's the same issue. Um, it could also be a thing where if the movie you're watching is NTSC, but then you found a video file that was taken off of the PAL version, it's that's going right. to have a different time code thing on it. It'll yeah. start to lag. That's absolutely correct. And and when I when I first was able to figure out how to run PAL um, encoded videos through a device that would turn them into NTSC, I was like, wow, there's this huge library of films that have now just opened up for me. Um, but now, but that was back when I was burning everything to DVD, and now it doesn't really make any you know, it makes much of a difference at all. So, um, so we're looking at the strange color of your body's tears. I believe this one has um, a subtitles uh, section here. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know that it's working for me uh, right now. But there basically is a section. Uh, especially if you use the uh, the apps for Roku or for Fire, where there's a um, place that says um, playback options, and you go into playback options and you say, I want to point this to a particular file, and then um, from there you can you can turn on or off subtitles when you watch the film. And it typically works. I've noticed a couple of times with certain things like, uh, with certain TV shows that, um, like True Detective, for example, I've always downloaded the SRT files because a lot of times I have no idea what they're talking about, especially this, this last season where there was 300 characters to try and keep track of. Um, and if I'm listening to it with low volume at night, I need to just read, you know, what they're saying. And sometimes, um, I need to go back and restart the film uh, after I tell it to turn the subtitles on to have it sync up. So it's not an exact science with the subtitles, but um, I've for Jolly, I've never noticed there being a big problem because the languages are dubbed anyway. So um, you know, if I'm trying to watch a film that's in English, but I want to see the subtitles because I. You know, for whatever reason, it's it's easier to comprehend the film with subtitles on. That's typically when I notice some syncing issues. But if it's in a different language, it's hard to notice there a big difference. You know, when you're syncing things up, so because the languages conflict with each other anyway. So, got it. So they, we at least know that they are supported. It's just uh, you doing the research and doing the the heavy lifting to figure it out. Yeah, that <clears throat> I would say out of everything, that's probably the most um, labor-intensive aspect of Plex, uh, which is getting the subtitles. But I mean, basically, if you think about it, there's really no other way. I don't think that um, 
the Plex server is meant to go out and grab the subtitles automatically for the films that you put on or the TV shows that you put on your server. Whereas if you used Netflix or HBO Go or something like that, you know, you expect that the subtitles will go along with whatever you're watching. So. Well, right on. Thank you for that, because I'm excited now. You got creep excited. And that's not easy. Unless you're touching my wiener. <laughs> but that's a whole other thing. Right. Where um, did you put that dog, anyway? I'm sitting on it. <laughs> no, but um, seriously, I have a question for you guys. What have they done to your daughter? I am so, not ready to rumble, if that's your question. <laughs> nope, just the daughter's thing. The daughter's thing. <clears throat> well, what have I, they I, done I, to I, your I, daughters? I, I don't believe I have a daughter, so it'd be interesting to find out what they've done to it. Well, yeah. I, I do, and I don't want that whatever they've done to them to apply to mine, that's for sure. Right. Yeah. I didn't mean for this to get so dark. I was just trying well, to segue. Very dark. So, oh, we're, oh, that's right. right. That's the end of the movie. I, I apologize, everyone. Ah, it's okay. See, I, and I can't even go and go, bumps because the stupid thing doesn't work. Oh. Bastards. Shucks. Bastards. <laughs> um... So, uh, this movie was Eric's pick. Now, Eric, before you start talking about it, what made you want to pick this thing? Thank you. Please, everyone, please. Oh, you heard that. Did you guys hear that? I heard that. Oh, that's awesome. Maybe it works. Of course I heard that. They're all standing up and cheering for me, which is commonplace. But I I do want everyone silence so I can talk about this film. (laughs) You in the back. Someone take that gong away from him. All right, I I picked this movie mainly because I was so impressed with what have you done to Solange, this uh, director Massimo Dallamano's previous effort, and uh, I've heard a lot of of good things about this trilogy he did about missing girls in Italy, and just by watching the the opening credits of this film and and uh, also I believe in Solange, there's a lot of um, text before and after the film talking about how many missing girls there are in Italy each year and what happens to them and how it might go deeper and darker than we would prefer to dig into and just knowing that I thought this that, that would give this kind of a film a lot of substance not saying that I don't enjoy a good sugary uh, giallo film like Eyeball or something like that but um, every once in a while I like to, to see what these filmmakers are doing in the era of the giallo film of the Polizio Tesco Tesco um, when those are so popular but at the same time they want to leave, leave an impression make a message and uh, that that really intrigued me about this film uh, I wanted to see how much how much further he was going to go with it and uh, I was impressed and there was a lot of imagery that will stick into my mind for a very long time for good or for bad, I won't say what imagery it was. Or I probably will later. But. There's, there's some crazy part about it. I mean, finding out how young these girls are, and then the fact that they just uh, are willy-nilly about flashing their naked bodies on the screen. Um, yeah. Kind of makes for odd viewing experience. Especially if you're watching uh, it with people who aren't used is, to this type of stuff. What's the... 
third movie in his little missing girl trilogy. Um, it's nothing. Oh man, I wish I could remember. I probably would have been nice to write it down. It's nothing to do with asking a question about who did what to who and where they went and, and anything like that. But I believe it's it's something pretty simple. Um, was this a he, was this a movie that came after? Yeah, he didn't he didn't direct a lot of uh, films. He only directed about ten or twelve or so. Um, okay, that's. Is it the Night Child? Let's see. It possibly it could be. I mean, it's that that one comes right after this movie in 1975, <laughs> and I apologize to our listeners out there. I never said I was an expert. I don't think any of us are, but uh, no, we rely on IMDb, but pretty heavily. Um, yeah. um, I mean, I he, he was. I will known... say though that um, he did a film called Black Veil for Lisa, which is considered a proto Jalo, I think, and I've never seen that. So, okay. Yeah, it's uh, it's possible that I mean he he did a lot of westerns as well as a cinematographer on films like Fistful of Dollars and For a Few Dollars More. So he had he was pretty uh, important, pretty popular as a cinematographer. Then going into films, he had a lot of things to say about the culture and and uh, stuff like that. Yeah, I believe it was Night Child or the Cursed Medallion is what it's called. Not as well known as these two that he did and I believe that that one's a little more supernatural and, and not as intense but um, yeah this one interesting this one is probably, uh, I, I mean Solange is really high up on my list as it stands right now after 46 films or so but this one is pretty close to it. It, it he doesn't really drop off very much at all so if you like Solange this is pretty close to it I think <clears throat> I um how do I say? I don't know that I necessarily have that same sentiment, that last sentiment that Eric threw out there, but um, what do you think, Creep? Well, I was just going to say, like, it was really good, and it was, like, beautiful to watch and all that. Personal, um, but, yeah. Yeah, Solange is definitely... Um, <clears throat> Solange. I don't know what else to say about it. That movie... <laughs> is really good and this one is good I my biggest complaint with this one was the cop okay. like he, he was driving me absolutely <laughs> crazy with the stupid shit he would say yeah. and I don't know but like it was a good movie like yeah it was a letdown when they switched from um Valentini over to Silvestri. I was really digging yeah, Valentini. I was totally. Hoping. That was weird. Like yeah. I don't know why they did that. Something to it do with it switched from a. It switched a from a suicide to a homicide. Homicide. So they had yeah. to switch. Well, no, I understand that, but I don't understand why they would have that in a movie. That was yeah. It's like because we're getting to know this one cop and we're feeling <laughs> exactly. for him and all this stuff, well, and then I, some douchebag walks in. And I think it's because. Is, I mean, the way the way that I took it was that um, the original cop, and I, I have to apologize ahead of time because I was going to do something earlier today where I wrote down the names of everybody because I don't remember anybody's name in this film. I just know... He's Valentini. Valentini is who? 
the first guy with the big mustache. Okay, so... Oh yeah, I eat them. Cats, I eat them. Right, that guy. Um, So Valentini, I think what they wanted to do was they wanted to to circle back to him because he's more of like a, a local cop, right? Whereas the guy who came in, the inspector, he's a little bit more like... He's 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 kind of removed from the situation from an emotional standpoint because he doesn't have a daughter and I don't know that he has any like ties to what's going on. Whereas the the, the original guy, it turns out that his daughter is is part of what's going on. So which um, makes it more dramatic. So I don't know why they would take him out of it. Yeah, I, I don't I know. Swear to God, I think I, it was I, like a contractual thing or like something stupid because that just did not make like a whole lot of sense to me but i think that the film in general at least the two main like protagonists the the assistant da and the inspector for the most part are removed and a little bit like emotionless i i don't think that that there's there's much going on with them i think that the whole vibe of this film is you know the police procedural um not much emotion trying to solve the case and you know maybe that was the idea like you can't have valentino uh as the main um as as the main cop who's trying to solve the problem because really his daughter's in the middle of it and that becomes more of an emotional thing which is more of a giallo thing and this is more of a policio tesco kind of vibe so i mean i i think there's a lot to talk about with this film as far as where it blurs the lines between the, the police procedural and the giallo and uh, where what it could have done differently if it wanted to be more jolly like uh, or giallo like or you know just some of the things because we've been covering we've been covering mostly giallo that were made specifically and intended to be giallo with the exceptions of certain things like pieces and um, the Hitchcock film and, and the bat and certain things like that. Um, this film is like right smack in the middle of the time period where, you know, all these directors were saying, okay, we've done some jolly. Um, we need to move on because it's, it's been done to death. It's like when they had who wants to be a millionaire on three times a week. It's like, yeah, hey, we're, it's over well, with. We, we got to move thing- on. The one thing that I noticed that like really stood out to me that was different was that that girl in the hospital calls the cop and she's like, I have to tell you something, get over here. And so he's on his way and the killer comes in. So I'm like, oh, okay, this girl's dead. That was fucking stupid. Why didn't she just tell him? Right. But then she doesn't end up dead. Correct. And then the, the police chick, the DA or whatever is being chased in the underground garage, which was a lot like um, Happy Birthday to Me, now that I think about it. Yeah, and yeah, it was, was also, that right? it, was yeah. a, it was like that, and it was also like um, Mrs. Ward. Those were like, yeah, exactly. And then she didn't die. Right. And I was like, oh, maybe that's like a difference. Like, well, I think it's because maybe. because the story, the story is, this, would you guys agree that this is probably the most airtight, well-written script? as far as it being logical and as far as it being like, you know, with, with these jollies, I mean, there's so many holes in the in the logic and you're supposed to suspend disbelief through most of the film. And with this, it was like, okay, there's still some 
wacky stuff going on here but for the most part we go from point A to point B to point C and everything is pushing in a linear direction to, to move the plot forward to move the investigation forward and so you know I think the difference between a, a, a giallo and this type of film is that um, there's an emphasis on the cops there's an emphasis on getting the crime solved there's not a lot of emphasis on the emotion of the victims and the emotion of the killer which is usually where all the art and the artistic aspects of the giallo come into play. Um, so it's kind of like they abandoned the, the all of that stuff and went for a more logical kind of approach to storytelling, which is fine. I mean, that's the way these films are supposed to be. But I think what if makes like I think the term logic is needs to be used really loosely here because every single lead they got, they got off camera. And they would just say, "Oh, we got a tip," or sure. we, and then we, the, we figured this out. Right. And but, how can like, you basically say how you know, happened? You, you could like you know it's ridiculous that the inspector would say, "Okay, get me a list of all the places that carried this motorcycle, and then give me a list of all the people in the last three years that bought this motorcycle." I mean, you can't even do that now, probably. In 2015, I don't know how you, or maybe it was easier to do it back in, in 1974. I don't know, um, but yeah, I mean, of course. But I mean, if you're comparing the way that these guys um, figured out how to get from one clue to the next, and compare that to, say, Seven Bloodstained Orchids, or compare that to some of these other ridiculous um, jolly that that really don't you know add up at all um, there's definitely a difference and um, I think that uh, that that's you know basically what I consider to be the, the things that they left out to make this a giallo or would it what would have made this a giallo is the killer and the killer's identity really wasn't important at all in this particular film and there wasn't anybody that was working besides the cops to try and solve the mystery. So those are the two big ones for me that turn it away from the giallo and make it more of something else. But I really like, you know, I, I don't have a lot of exposure to the Poliziotesco genre. So I don't know in comparing this to um, some of the other films, like the films that Lindsay and some of these other guys made, um, how, how giallo-like this film is you know you still have a guy who's clad in leather with black gloves and he's stalking there's a couple of stalking sequences with a butcher knife I mean that's very giallo um, some of these other police procedurals aren't really focused on there's a killer who's murdering people it's more about it's a crime ring it's a bunch of guys who rob a bank or it's you know a bunch well, of gangsters and stuff right what do you Eric, what what are your thoughts about all this? We've said like a million things just now, but what are you um, thinking? Yeah, you went through all my notes. I don't know. I don't have anything else to say. It was that's pretty much it. It was uh, my big difference was once it switched over from the guy in the motorcycle helmet chasing people around to figuring out this deep dark circle of politicians and people covering things up. Um, I know Chris and I had a discussion about the ending and trying to figure out who this person was. My my main beef with, with it was because they kind of zoomed in on the face and held on it for a while, so I thought this was some kind of big reveal. But right, right, exactly. 
when I went back to think about it, I'm like, no, it wasn't. It was the guy that they were pretty much fingering the whole time. Creep, keep silent. And uh, they <laughs> pretty yeah. much just yeah they they went they went that route with him, and um, they were saying that this this guy isn't as important. He's just uh, you know a person that's involved in this larger ring of uh, prostitution and of little kids and things going on like that. So that was that was my big difference. Once I was able to let that go, I could enjoy the ending a little bit more, even though I was still kind of disappointed by it. Um, and yeah, I think going back to the the detective switch, as unfortunate as it was, uh, I think my my opinion is probably more of a shallow one in that they wanted to go with the better looking guy at the time, <laughs> yeah, maybe right. just for marketing purposes I don't know they, they thought maybe saw a bright future in him and and I thought he was going to go do big things for the Italian film industry but uh, dump poor Valentini out on the street <laughs> I think would, would have made the and then I thought Valentini was going to like go try to find him and murder him himself or yeah. something like that then yeah, they just brush that aside yeah. yeah maybe you're right though maybe that is part of it not being a giallo film because if it if he was more involved if it would, had become more personal that's an Al question, Al, if you're listening, because here, even on your like least procedural shows and stuff, there's always some person working the case that has some traumatic experience that happened to them that kind of would link them to the case to make them really want to solve it for personal reasons or some shit like that. But in this, it seems like a very detached situation, and is that like kind of the norm? and Italian police dramas or something like that, that the cops are just like no feeling and completely away from the situation. Because yeah. that just might be a cultural thing that I don't get. Let's, uh, we'll, we'll wait for the answer. You guys ready? Okay. I, I, my, my only other thing was uh, the amount of violence in this. I guess I don't know the difference. I haven't, like Chris, I haven't seen a lot of the uh, police procedural films and I don't know how violent those ones are, but this one was strikingly violent, I thought. Um, even when, when they weren't showing bodies being attacked, just them walking into that bathroom and seeing that gruesome blood spray all over the walls. I don't know how normal that, that would be. Or audio recording. Uh-huh. Yeah, totally. That was horrendous. Some of the descriptions of the things that they were doing. Yeah. Um, but did you guys notice, do you guys, did you guys watch an English language version? Yes. Yeah. Did you guys notice that they bleep the, the at the, the end when he said go that. fuck yourself? I was yeah. like, wait a minute. They showed all this violence and then you know what happened at the end. That's America then, for you. The chick's like, I have to agree with you. Yes. <laughs> but I, I mean I, I liked the film. I thought it was good. It's just, you know, when you're talking about the difference between the Jallo and the police thing, you know, in in a in some of these jolly like say Bird with crystal plumage or deep red, and we always bring up Argento, but um, his protagonists have a vested interest in solving the mystery because either they're going to go to prison um, or they're being they're being um, targeted by the killer. Yeah. Um, and in you know in the case uh, and even in the case of like so sweet so dead, the, the police inspector, you get to the end and it turns out that one of the people that is going to be the next victim is his own wife and these are women who um, cheat on their husbands and so he finds out that his wife is a cheater and now he has to make this moral decision about 
Um, does he save or does he not? Left and right. Yeah, what's well, okay. We're more. Well, um, I was just going to say, I think for me, the movie that is like this that does it better is Black Billy of the Tarantula. Of course. But I know Eric's not a fan of that film. Hey, I, I put it on my Jello Redemption tour and it got a, a much better score the second time around. Well, and that's really, that's it's interesting that you bring that up, Creep, because when I first scored uh, Black Belly of the Tarantula for my website, I kind of felt like it was too much of a police procedural um, than a Jalo, but I I kind of gave it that label um, a little bit un you know uninformed because I haven't watched a lot of police procedurals and if you look at Black Belly of the Tarantula it really is a giallo uh, it's just that the amateur detective is gone and the guy that's trying to solve the case is on the on the police force but otherwise I mean you have the killer and you have all this other moody stuff going on and um, that film needs me it, I need to go back and watch that just like Eric did on the redemption tour um, because I just need to I, watch it again because it's fucking amazing. <laughs> I think that um, I think that what that this film, the daughter's film, is clearly more uh, Policiotesco than that. Um, but then the question is, how Giallo is daughters compared to some of the straight up Policiotesco films? And I, I can't answer that because I haven't really watched them. But I think that if if I'm getting a sense of what these police procedurals really are. And what makes them, and you know, what characteristics they have to make them kind of fall into a category. I think um, Delamano did probably a really good job, kind of merging these two together and making an effective film for both sides of the uh, both both sides of the audiences. You know, you've got. Uh, I mean, if you can put it in a time, you know, if you go to the time capsule, maybe for when this film came out. I would assume that these directors realized that they were having trouble continuing to make Jolly because the audiences were getting tired of the format, so they switched over to this. And you'll notice if you look at Martino and Umberto Lenzi and um, even Lucio Fulci, um, they all started making these films in the starting in 73, 74, up to 76, and and so on. So, and you know, it, they, they're all. Yeah, they just kind of jumped on whatever bandwagon was popular, which was fine. Um, you know, I don't... Did you see... Um, have you seen the Bava film, uh, Rabid Dogs or Kidnapped? Yeah, that's great. Is, that, is that considered a Policia Tesco? It is. That movie's fucking awesome. I love that movie. I think it is because it's simply not any other... It doesn't fall into any other category, and it's basically like... There's a crime, and then there's people trying to solve the crime, and they're on the police force. So I guess you would call it that. But I think that movie came out in like what 74, 75, or something. So it's it's still pretty early in the in the history um, compared to say I think you know Fulci made a movie called Contraband, which came out in 1980, which is supposed to be a, a pretty good uh, Policio Tesco film. Um, but I think there's another director who is considered like the godfather uh, of these things. Like Argento is and Baba are the big Giallo guys. This guy is the Policio Tesco guy, and I don't know his name off off the top of my head. Aren't you? Um, sure, are you sure it's not Lenzi and Martino? 
It's it's definitely Lindsay. Lindsay has a couple of films out there that no, are, I mean like the, that are the Godfathers of Jalo. No, let me look it up because I I looked it up earlier today. What? Why? Why is that funny? I don't understand. It's okay. <laughs> what did I do that was funny? Nothing, man. It's Aldo Lotto. Aldo Lotto. Yeah. It was Aldo Lotto, and then this other guy's. Uh, uh, no, that's not him. Wait, let me go back one more. I have Night Train murders. Fernando, Fernando uh, De Leo, Fernando De Leo, uh, is the other guy that I think he's known for. The one thing about this movie that I did actually love was the fact that they used the same score as Tentacles, which is awesome. The exact same score. What is, is. Tentacles? Tentacles is like, imagine Jaws, but with an octopus. I don't believe you. <laughs> what? <laughs> They used the exact same score in a Jaws ripoff about an octopus. Yeah, and I think it was the same. Um, com- they, the composer Stelvio, the guy who did Bay of Blood, uh-huh. did it, right? Yes, uh, Stilvaletto Cipriani. Yeah, um, yeah, he's and credited as it. Interestingly it's, enough, he did the soundtrack for for pieces as well. Yeah. So he's all over the board. This guy. Dude, I seriously in my um, Jalo playlist that gets me going when I'm like writing and stuff. Um, I always had the Tenacoli score like in there to kind of in the beginning almost to kind of really get me off with a bang. And I was always like, man, it's too bad this isn't a Jalo song because I could totally like put this in Jalo stuff. But now it kind of is. You can. So I can. You can now, yes, absolutely. Yeah, I, I love the music in this one. Um, I mean, they do, they do use. I believe there's only two tracks, two or three, and they use them over and over. So there's a point where you might get sick of it, but from the beginning, I think um, it's it's really strong. They're just like that uh, real brassy. Um, um, I love the brassiness of that part um, and the the creepiness of the um, scenes. By the way, we never uh, we never mentioned at all that if anybody is actually streaming with us, and oh yeah, they are to say um, Q and A section, guys. It's the Q and A section that you want to post to because we will look at that for comments or questions. Watch, there's like 15 questions about how to turn on Plex. <laughs> My bad. Sorry again. No, there's nothing. I just checked. Okay. But yeah, <clears throat> the score for this, um, it doesn't really fit the film, I don't think. And it might just be because I'm used to that music from another film. But um, <laughs> That might be a good reason. Yeah, <laughs> but the, the part that is funny is when that cop falls down the hill <laughs> on that, when the music swells. That was like, I'm like, ah, oh, okay. I could see where that was a good choice. Yeah, why did he do? Why did they put that in there? That was funny. <clears throat> well, because that guy was spelunking. He's a spelunker. So I guess spunk. that's what they call it. All right, and I have a question about the plot, and um, because again, the whole idea that there's a killer and that they're trying to find the killer, and it becomes really unimportant because what they've ended up uncovering is this very high-level 
corruption of prostitute rings and underage kids and exploitation and whatnot. But why did the very first victim that they found in the opening of the film, the girl who was hung, why was she killed? Do we, does anybody know? Did they ever explain that? Nope. Nope. Because, like, all the rest of the people yeah, were killed. moving her body they... was really weird, too. Everybody else was killed in the movie because they knew something, right? Well, maybe she knew something. Well, that, I mean, that's the only thing I can think of. I mean, or they... maybe it's because she was pregnant. She got pregnant by one of the guys, and so he killed her. Oh, yeah, yeah she had, that's true. She had semen in her vagina, her anus, and her stomach. And her stomach, yeah. yeah. I wonder wow. if like... She was busy. Was that one wonder second? if it was... Yeah, that's one dude. He's just going all over. Jeez, man. He's like, take me around the world, sister. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she did get involved with that spelunker, so I don't know if they maybe thought she was... He spelunked. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that he probably did a so... little spelunking of his own, but they probably were afraid that she might squeal because now that she's seeing this new bow who wasn't involved with this ring, um, you know, she's communicating to the outside world. She might tell someone something. I don't know. That's probably what I would assume. And the other thing here is is that he was hired by the guy who was in the bathtub, right? I guess. That was my next question. Is the killer, like, what relationship is the killer at the motorcycle guy to all these other high-level guys? Is he just like a for-hire you know, hitman of some sort? He's just good on a motorcycle, so they hired him. If he had a gun the whole time, why the hell was he running around with a cleaver? (laughs) (laughs) And why would you go to such lengths to chop that guy into a thousand pieces in his own bathroom? Because his boss said, I probably want him in a thousand pieces in his own bathroom. (laughs) No, I want to see it all. I want to see what happened to the bastard. I want to see what that bastard ended up. like a maniac. Oh yeah, she saw. No, it's just like when you when you look at all the when you say what happens in the movie after the fact and you talk about it, it really sounds stupid. Like I'm not trying to be shitty about it, but it's just like they were looking for a murderer. They decided they didn't really care and that someone would figure it out for them or something. Everyone who they had leads to ended up dead. The guy, the murderer, is dead, and then they can't go after the people who were the Johns of the ring. Right. So at the end of the day, they did it, Dick. The only thing that had anything to do with anything was that the cop put out the press release saying that that dude was alive and he talked. If it wasn't for that, like, that other dude wouldn't have died. And if those kids hadn't seen the... I mean, just... I don't know. Maybe a lot of police work is based upon people coming forward with stuff when they're not meant to but like it just seemed like to have like the ADA and this inspector doing stuff for this case they really didn't do fucking anything right and and you know is that the director making commentary on the state of corruption in Italy at that particular time is that supposed to be some you know some metaphorical or subtext social commentary thing that's going on I mean clearly it was a big deal they brought it up several times about how are we going to prosecute these people and they're high up and even when the even when the, the I guess it was the cameraman 
the guy who eventually is linked to all this stuff, who originally they were like, well, no, he's just a peeping Tom. He's on the phone saying, you know, this and this and this, and the other guy on the other end of the phone is like, we're holding all of the high cards right now, and don't do anything stupid, because once they find out it's us, they're not going to be able to do anything. So, and they brought it up so many times in the film about how there was this, you know, this unfair amount of power, and that, you know, and then if you look at what the what the well, opening... Kill himself anyway. If they weren't going to be able to do anything, which they ended up not being able to do anything, why go through the trouble of killing people and killing yourself? Well, the doctor, maybe the doctor wasn't the one that was on the other end of the phone. The other person on the other end of the phone was somebody higher up. I don't know. I think the doctor probably just freaked out and realized that, you know, it, this was going to ruin him, and what have I done, yeah. and I'm going to kill myself, but... Well, we, we live in a day and age where we're used to this sort of thing. We don't, you know, a politician comes out as tapping his foot in the bathroom. It's, <laughs> we're, just blinking another, we're just blinking our eye at it. But back then, you have to think that if there's anything, any kind of peep coming out, that our superiors are not as clean and clean-cut and perfect as we think they are. You know, it's going to cause a mass hysteria. Things are going to hit the fan. And when this doctor found out that there was any possible way that his name could get attached to this, there was just nothing else he could do but kill himself. Um, you know, Sylvester, as much as we hated him, he had to kind of feel bad at how desperate he was getting because he was getting closer and closer to un unveiling this and people kept winding up dead. Right. I never felt bad for that bastard the entire time. <laughs> he got just what he deserved. He... He didn't even want to say thank you. No. And it was just... And he didn't uh, even close the deal with the DA when he took her home. Yeah. He's like, hey, uh, do you need... Oh, I'm going to go answer my giant car phone. Even, but... Even with hair. <laughs> did you guys notice that the voice of... Um, I think it was Valentini and the guy who did the voice of the his partner with the other big mustache? Same voice. Um, is the guy from Cannibal Holocaust? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Didn't put it together until they started playing the footage, of, yeah. like that. And then I'm like, oh my god, that's yeah. it. That's the, the Cannibal Holocaust. Yeah, those voices are are recycled to death. Did anybody? I, I, the other thing was in the very beginning they were showing that footage of some sort of a of a demonstration, a violent demonstration on campus or something. One of the guys sitting at the table, I swear, looked like Fulci, and I've looked through everything on the internet, and he's not credited anywhere. So maybe the guy just looks like Fulci, and it's not him. But um, I could have sworn that Fulci made a cameo in that. He was on the. He was at the. On the right side of the table, if you were looking at the screen, but well, I also thought that the dummy of the girl hanging is the same dummy that hangs in Spasmo. Yeah, could be. It looks just like her. And how did they think that that was actually gonna make people think that that was like, oh, this this person looks like a mannequin because of rigor mortis, like? I even went through Jalo score and almost checked off the thing that said dolls or dummies because of that first scene with the girl hanging because it looked like a mannequin. And I'm like, oh wait, I can't give a, a point for that. That was actually supposed to be a real body. Uh, so I wonder I mean, if it was hard for them to figure out how to sculpt a 15-year-old naked girl. 
Maybe they didn't have too many models to yeah. work out. <laughs> You're probably right. <laughs> they just winged it. But but the but the the section in this in in the signature section for car or motorcycle racing, man, I was checking that box off like a maniac when I was watching the film. So and there was a, and a chase scene. I mean, the the thing about this film, as far as the Jalo score is concerned, is it got a 64. It lost a, a shitload of points because it didn't have a hidden uh, identity of a murderer. I mean, I think that was I think that's 15 points maybe. And there's no amateur detective. But um, at eight out of ten on the signatures, I mean, there was somebody in a bathtub. There was a funeral. There was a pathologist. There's a photography going on. There's taunting via um, letters. Um, there's a, a, a chase scene. There's a pathologist. I mean, so you know, you could see when people call this film a hybrid, it really is. It really is a um, a mesh of these two styles. Um, and I think it's pretty successful of a of a hybrid too. It's not like it tries to be two different things and and can't decide and swaps between one or the other. I think it I think it does a really good job in in being entertaining and throwing in some Jalo elements that that make it interesting from that perspective. But also it it's a fast paced script and the story moves along really fast and it keeps you paying attention. And it might be um, the um, English dub, but some of the things that the inspector says are just so fucking stupid. Like, it's like you have to laugh at him like half the time, and not like laughing with him. You're just like Jesus fucking Christ. He's just no nonsense. Mm. Got a problem with authority? I got a problem with that guy for some stupid reason, and I don't know what it is. But all in all, it was a good movie. I would watch it again. It totally. wasn't bad at all from an aesthetic um, standpoint what do you think of it like there was a lot of, of cool shit in it um yeah. but there wasn't enough like there was a lot of cool uh props and like lamps and wallpapers and like there was all sorts of weird cool shit like that but there really wasn't enough like women in it to have a lot of good fashion in it and that's one of my nerdy little things <laughs> because but, um, uh, i thought a lot of great architecture as especially yeah. during the chase scenes that scene on the hill or on the cave i'm um, looking out um and then even going into the da you know you see this da as a stuck up cold woman and then you go to her apartment she's kind her of apartment sick is rad uh, uh, awesome and th that part was funny when she like she turns her back to the camera and it looks like she's looking out a window looking at like this like awesome little quaint village and then it pans back and it's just uh -huh. a picture on the wall yeah, <laughs> yeah she's, she's a beautiful woman but man someone she needs to talk to a stylist yeah totally that hair is man yeah, that, you didn't like her wig, her big giant wig. I think I think that maybe what was missing from a stylistic perspective was color. I don't think oh, the film had very wow. much color, but um, I don't think it was supposed to. I think these these types of films are supposed to be stark and and cold, no. just like the way that the actors that approach works. the 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 story itself. So, um, like I said, I think it was a really, pretty successful film. Like I, I really liked it. I liked it the second time through. I watched it the first time very tired and not paying attention and the second time through I was paying attention it was great so, so definitely recommend it and would like to watch it again one day I think now 
it is time for us to uh, talk about what we're going to do. Because normally, this would be the part of the show when we let the listeners know what the next three picks are going to be for them to vote for. But Eric, why don't you tell us what we're going to do instead? <laughs> that was a re- that was a real sound effect from Chris. Yeah. yeah, thank you for that. Um, well, please, you're too kind. I think yeah, we we noticed that for some reason we're still doing episodes as we get closer to fifty. I don't know how that happened. Um, we're, we're still rolling along with this thing. So, Bye, Chris. Oh, back. hey, I'm back. Yeah, it just. You know, I don't think we, I mean, every once in a while we'll make a big deal about getting to certain milestones. I think a lot of podcasts do that. And we would have been happy to get to the 50th episode. It would have been fun. You know, we would have done something fun. But all of a sudden it occurred to us that we have to do three picks. And those three picks will be 47, I'm sorry, 48, 49, and 50. We'll end right at number 50. So I thought it was... next week, or next episode, we have Profumo. Yeah, Sorry, I You're can't forget. welcome in advance. Important. that Yeah, we don't want to get ahead of ourselves too far. But with 48, 49, and 50 coming up, we're going to do... I mean, we're still going to throw out the films out on a poll, but they're going to dance for you. But what you want to do <laughs> is you want to actually vote in reverse. So the film that you want to see at number 50, I think, is what we are asking people to vote on. Yeah. yeah, I think what I think what we were saying was we just want people to pick what they want to be the fiftieth film. Yeah, right. So just three films. You pick which one you want. The best, to the best Jaliar. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, what for the one you think is the best? It clearly has to be something that represents a milestone. You know, a, a classic film that everybody wants covered. So. I mean, the way it sounds to me is somebody's going to write in something, and then other people are just going to vote for that write-in. But we're not going to write anything in, right? We're going to let the Facebook guys just go nuts on yeah. this poll. Right. And so what will happen is... Go nuts on this poll. Go nuts on this poll. Like exactly. There's, and there's so, still a lot of big ones out there we haven't covered, so... Oh, yeah, absolutely. And so we'll take the top three, and we'll do them in reverse order, right? right. Yep. For the big episode 50, Jallotacular. <laughs> We're going to have all kinds of guests, uh, musical acts. Yeah. I'll dress up. Yeah. I'll, I'll get someone to come in and dub my voice. Yeah. Oh, that might have great. to wear our three-piece brown velour suits. Maybe we could but, just yeah. do an entire episode in Italian. We'll have to learn the Italian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Probably not. Pizza pie, uh. <laughs> All right, so, um, so we're talking about we'll, let's see we're talking about uh sometime in november maybe is that right yeah i mean it is already mid-october we've got we have one more episode i know it might be december yeah it might be a little christmas present uh, yeah so the 27th and then the the 10th and then the 24th yeah December looks like December 8th 
All right. So that, that means that there is a lot of time for people to write in votes and uh, vote up or change your mind and unvote and revote for something else. That um, sounds like so much voting fun. And I guess we should also say that, this should be obvious, but you can't vote or write in a film that we've already done. Damn it. Right? Because I know that everybody's going to just write eyeball. So Yeah, that's what I was going to do. Right. Strip nude for your eyeball. <laughs> Double bill. So, and I don't think, guys, we should even hint or suggest. Let's not suggest At anything. all. Because, I mean... If you've and been, they have if to you've be been... actual, like, bona fide Jalo films. Like, yeah, I think so. I think that's a great. Don't like throw in like, I don't know, Serpent in the Rainbow and try to say its validity is a, yeah, none of that shit this time around. Yeah, I guess you're right. And there are some really big films that we have yet to cover, and um, I expect that somebody will vote for a few of those. Um, but it could be anything. So it's, you know, putting the power in your hands, ladies and gentlemen, power to the people. So, um, I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that there's no trailer for Profomo. I'm not a hundred percent on that. I'll look, but chances are there isn't one. And, um, so... This is just going to be the end of the show now. So we will see you all on Facebook and all that fun jazz. Thank you for hanging out with us. Give us reviews if you want. Send us money if you want. Oh, send us money. No, no, don't. Yeah, any of those things. Maybe we Uh, should give away something on the 50th episode. Just give away your DVD collection. You don't need it. Whole collection. That's true. If you watch the oh first part of this, I don't need Digital, it. Digital baby. That would be a, a huge thing. Digital killed the video star. <laughs> there it is. Polizio Tesco. All right, everybody. Give me one more pizza pie, creep. Come on. A pizza pie. Get out of my kitchen, man. So racist. Mamma mia, papa pia, baby got the diarrhea. <laughs> I thought I was the only one who ever said that when I was a kid. That's great. Papa Pia. Papa Pia is so racist. Is it? Yeah, there's no Papa Pia. Anyhow. Ciao, ciao, everybody. Ciao, ciao, everybody. (laughs) I can't see the button.